Pod Clubhouse. This is Caroline with Daily Review. And this is Mike from Pop Culture Review. And this is Without a Paddle, the Shit's Creek podcast. Tonight we're talking about episode 10 of season 6, Sunrise, Sunset. Swiftly flow the years. <laughs> I nice. must have sang Fiddler on the Roof hits like nine times while watching this episode. Oh my uh, god, that's too funny. Tonight's episode was written by a pair. It was written by a team, like us, Caroline, a team of people. It was yeah. by Kurt Smeaton and Winter Tekanos hyphen Levy. Now, I could not find any proof that Winter is related by marriage to the Levy family. But, but it I seems impossible a, that she isn't. It has to be. Right? Right? Jordan Tekanos Levy is an Ontario lawyer. I found him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Canada, Levy in his name. Maybe not. I, and if Maybe so, not, but what a coincidence. But what a dink indeed. Yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. Maybe that's Levy's funny. a popular Canadian name. Maybe it is. Who knows? I, I never thought about that. Like, what is a popular... Like, you know, it's like a O'Connor or like whatever you know. But like, what is a Canadian last name? Oh, are they Levy. French? Levy, apparently. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's super funny. Mike, I have to ask you, have you ever had an employee orientation? Even when I worked for Kmart for five plus years, it began with a orientation. I never got any kind of inspirational business novel. No. Uh, nothing, nothing, especially nothing so grand as a video store rental magnet mogul. Did you just have Kmart and then like adult professional jobs or like, or did you have any weirdo jobs in between? My first very job was probably my weirdest job. When I was 13, me and a friend of mine were paid to put together the inserts of the Sunday newspapers at 4.30 in the morning, year round, even the dead of winter. Me and my friend would meet at this little convenience store in Queens. We would start to assemble the Sunday papers. It usually took us like about four hours to do. Oh my uh, God. We were just finishing usually as the sun was coming up. On a Sunday morning, oh people get up because they want the coupons because they're going to the stores. That's a weird fucking job. It could be snowing. It could be ice cold outside. They would not let us in the store. It was a very tiny little convenience store. They wouldn't let you in the store? Not to work. We got like paid like 20 bucks each. We got like a free candy and a free drink. <laughs> And that was, a that was just to keep you buzzing, to keep you working. No, we can only have that afterwards. Only oh, no. Yeah, I guess the fuel to make it's sure we terrible. got both. Okay. It was the first place, actually the only place that I ever tried to buy a Playboy magazine. Whoa, that's yeah. outrageous. You tried to buy it? That sounds like you weren't very successful. I was not very successful. Mm. Me and my friend Tom... He dared me to do it. We were both about 13. Oh, in the world did you think that was going to play out? They were going to look at your little 13-year-old faces and be like, yeah, you can have pussy, sure. We were cool about it, though, because we had comic books on top of it. Oh, oh, like, so you were stealing it. No, but we, we presented it like a pile. You know, oh. you get like a disinterested, like, worker. They were just going to click through. Yes, we thought maybe they would just oh. click through the, the uh, you know, barcodes and stuff. We had some candy on there. We're like, we kind of hid it around a bunch sure, of Sure, it's like when you're buying condoms or tampons and you have to, like, buy, like, gum and shit, too. Exactly. <laughs> uh, plan was hide it at the bottom among all these purchases, and they wouldn't even pay attention, you know. For us, we, I mean, we'd been, because this was like a work day, so we had just finished our like four-hour shift, so we were tired, so we were like, who's going to notice? These motherfuckers, though, were brand new. They had just come on, you know? Oh. Uh, yeah. It they were hyped up work. on coffee. They were ready to go. Yeah, did they, they like on. slap you around or anything, or were they just like, get out of here, dummies? The old lady who owned the store came over <gasps> to, to ring us out. No. And so she came across it, and she's like, no, boys, no. And oh that was my it. God. She just put it underneath the counter. <laughs> she, she gave us the rest of our purchases, and she's like, I'll see you guys next weekend. Did you ever see that Golden Girls where um, they're buying condoms and there's like, they have to get a price check? 
<laughs> and they're like, can I get a price check on the condoms? And they're like standing at that, you know, at the front. And someone's like, what are we going to get? And Dorothy goes, condoms, Rose, condoms, 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 like that. <laughs> but hilarious. As a cashier, you know, you see like like a young couple come by and they've got like jumbo XL when <laughs> when you just can't get enough, like on the box kind of thing, you know? Oh my it's God. It's basically like a trash bag with like twist ties. And, oh uh, my God. Yeah, and it's just like, it's just awkward for everyone. It's always awkward. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I figured out in college that I could actually make enough money just going to employee trainings. I never actually had to get a job for like a long time because I could just go to a paid training and then, you know, just decide it wasn't for me. And that way I never really had to like do anything. Like I just had to be trained to do a lot of things. I think I was supposed to sell, I want to say like reverse mortgages or something. I don't even know. I didn't, I mean, it was an excellent paid training, great snacks. And I tapped out. (laughs) I mean, listen, getting paid and snacks, that's going to take you a long way. Some usable skills. I mean, I'm podcasting now. Thanks, Walt. Walt's probably passed by now. He's pretty old. Props to you, Walt. I entered the Kmart management training program because of the amount of free snacks and coffee at the various trainings. I believe that. Johnny Rose and his many woes. Johnny Rose had a tough week. Were you shocked at how many employees they have hired for the motel? I absolutely was. The Rosebud has ran for years with just Stevie and now like basically just Stevie, <laughs> Johnny, and Roland on part-time <laughs> basis. I mean, they do have the presidential suite at this motel. So this, this is, is obviously true. a step up. They live at the other motel, right? So I mean, like they could just like go over and do something. But like, since this one's further away i guess they do need a full staff they maybe want to put a better foot forward as their first expansion motel. yeah don't you find that you spend more time cleaning the guest room than you do maybe your own room oh hells yeah you know what's in my room it's full of black trash bags of all the stuff of clutter shit i've picked up around the rest of the house and then i just set it into my bedroom that's how i get ready for guests have you been buying condoms at the store Uh, i didn't want to bring that up but yes in fact i have ribbed for her pleasure have you ever had termites that seems like the scariest fucking thing that could happen i mean it's like literally eating your investment and foundation for god's sake my god those two things together it's like it's a stink hole when you go through the cycle of things that a new motel owner who is indebted up to his eyeballs does not want to hear uh your foundation is crumbling and you have termites are probably Maybe, if not the top thing, probably very close. Maybe squatter attorney hiding in room is near somewhere in the top five. I felt awful for Johnny. His face was so crestfallen. Did you appreciate Roland trying to step up and being willing to give his last kidney? And I loved it that he said that Bruce said that his kidney was garbage. (laughs) I was more surprised that Roland has a baseball signed by Gina Davis. That must be a league of their own baseball. I would imagine that's That's what it have to be. Very funny. (laughs) Hey, did you know that Gina Davis is an Olympic archer? Yeah. Is that true? No, I'm completely lying. Yes. Roland, a couple times this season, has talked about kind of being a feminist. And I think maybe having a league of their own baseball signed by Gina Davis hints towards that that being true. Who knew Roland could read? Let alone being a fan of historical fiction. I like historical fiction. I have something in common with Roland shit. That's terrifying to me. (laughs) <laughs> were, you, were you so impressed at how much backstory we got on Roland today? I was pretty impressed. Though. I was impressed. And, and and it gave him like, like, again, like he was actually like a really good guy. And like, side note, yes, Gina Davis finished 29th among 300 women at the national championship when she was heading to the Olympics. Yeah, she was in the semifinal berth in the U.S. Olympic archer team. Not only that, but isn't she in Mensa? I think she is. She's wild. The woman's got talent. She's beautiful. She's an actress. She's super tall. She's got nice boobs. She's got it all. Does she have nice boobs? I don't know if she does, actually. Uh, She is super tall, though. I think she 
does. She's one of those women that I would describe as being handsome. She, she struck me as a woman in the trapped in the wrong part of the 20th century. Huh. She's no Sigourney Weaver. She's totally handsome. But, you know, I don't know. I think she's a little more feminine than that. No? I would believe that she was alive in, like, the 1930s, 40s starlet era. Mm. You know, the Grand Dame. Veronica Lake-ish. Yeah. She's not She's not what we would consider a modern beauty, I think, by today's standards. Okay, intrigue. And she's like vintage beauty. What would you do in order to be able to get the money to fix this motel? I liked Roland and Stevie jumping right in with brainstorming. I like that they went to organ harvesting and arson. I know. Impressive. I like that they both know people who can help with those things. Of course they do. (laughs) I think the arson for insurance gives you more options. The option to rebuild. But you also have the option to just take the money and go do something else. I think arson for insurance money... You know, I think it's classic. I think it's clean. (laughs) I think it really opens up a lot of avenues for you. I love it. I love it. Uh, In the end, jumping ahead, Stevie has been reading the book. She's been reading Johnny's book. I know. But her face, when she was absorbing how difficult this time was for Johnny, that was some good acting between the two of them. That was like really nice, like back and forth. When he tells her the story about setting aside a pretty big nest egg for David's wedding, at one point, Bali was on the table. And he kind of just trails off and then says, I'm just going to go outside and get some air. And the look, you're right, that she gives him, it was truly emotional. I felt real emotion in the show that normally just makes me laugh my ass off. So many times this season, the show has like made me like not cry, but definitely sniffle. But do you know why this is different than every other time? They have had financial woes for six years. Okay, Stevie's watched them, you know, bellyache about not having different things. But this is the first time that I can think of where she witnessed specifically Johnny feeling like he wanted to give something to his kids and he couldn't give it to them. And when he couldn't, you know, it it wasn't about being materialistic. It was about wanting to provide. And that was like a different level of emotion that, you know, they didn't really tap into as much. I know we had the one episode with when Johnny wanted to do Christmas and they didn't have the money for the tree or the decorations or anything. And that's the only other time when I can remember there being that true feeling of like the whole community came together and they all like they felt it like this is a real thing. This isn't just being shitty and materialistic. This is him trying to provide for the family. Those are the moments that are home runs for me in the show. We talked about this last week about how Moira and Johnny parent. Moira parents very much in the here and now looking forward. Mm. Uh, She doesn't really think about the past. Johnny parents almost solely from trying to make up for mistakes in the past. We saw it last week, the way he interfered with Alexis and Artie Boy when he did the report for her, which you brought up last week. You know, all of that was driven from wanting to make up for the past and a lot of stuff that he interacts with David also comes from I didn't get to do this right the first time I want to be there now this event this week I felt was a combination of so many things it was he wanted to be able to provide this thing for him now that he had thought about you know it's his son's wedding yeah you know he wanted to always be able to give this gift this is another symbol of wanting to step up as a parent even when he's given the lifeline with Patrick's parents David gives him the lifeline says you don't have to do this like it's cool yeah but his pride as a father makes him want to do it I mean, I'm a dad I spend most of my waking hours thinking about how I can provide for him now next week next year in the future I never want to be in a position where I have to tell him mm-hmm. I just can't make it work and it's not it's not a machismo thing macho bullshit it's not that it's a 
I think it's like a primal need, though, to like it's provide. A yeah. Yes. It's to a, it's support a, it's and provide. The modern, modern equivalent of I have to go and put food on the table for my family. It, I feel very much like Johnny. It would crush me to not be able to do that. I really identified with him. And I loved how Stevie reacted to it. That was my favorite scene in the show, in the whole episode. It's it's extremely easy to relate to for, I think, a lot of people in terms of wishing they could provide more for their kids. I mean, I've had to say no before. I've had to say, you know, I'm sorry, we, we, we can't do that. You know, I wish I wish we could, but we can't. Yeah, that sticks with you. I, to your point about the making up for lost time in the past, it's he's living what in the future could be the regret. He has to figure out how to navigate it now in the moment. Poor guy, because this is hard. Parenting's hard. It's super hard. And it was the double whammy made it even worse. If it was just the motel or just the the tasting happening, I mean, maybe he would have felt as bad about it, but I don't think you would have seen the Johnny Rose vulnerability that we only get a peek at. We only get the real vulnerability uh, with all of these characters every so, every so often. The literal weight of the world, the way he sees it, the way he interprets it, and his place in it, I think just crushed him this week i agree did you think that stevie would be the one to come in with this big idea no and i love her inspiration for it i, I know. not not that she came up with the idea because i think stevie actually is a real game time player i think she actually is really good in these kinds of situations this is where her value added is when she sets aside her snark and, and her cynicism I think this is actually where she shines. I was shocked that it came out of the Johnny Rose playbook. I thought that was so good. It was. What did you think of her rescue plan? Or I guess really it's Johnny Rose's rescue plan. Okay, I don't know anything about franchising and how it all works. But from the outside, I can say it makes sense because I can see that's what businesses do. It seems to be like the way you make your money is you have to buy a bunch more motels. I, the this shocking part, I guess, is that... We've always thought of Schitt's Creek as being this like tiny little, you know, burg in the middle of nowhere. So the idea that there would be even 20 or 30 more motels anywhere nearby at all. Stevie's like going to get to take some wings in an exciting way as, of course, growing the business. But like she could actually leave this little tiny area. I think for the first time, maybe we have a clear idea of what at least her endgame, maybe Roland's too, Johnny's financial feud. I mean, remember how excited he got when he got to talking about how he actually might finally be able to call in his old business contacts. Yeah. Because Bob and Patricia would have owned your local Blockbuster, but they, you know, franchised it out from Blockbuster. Her idea puts Johnny as close to his old life without having to live his old life. You know, he gets to have all of the new things he's learned as a person, but now gets to put his business acumen to use for the first time in five years, six years. You know what I super love about the fact that they chose the motel business? And I know obviously it ties into where they were living and stuff, but with the videotapes thing, it's like you're handing someone else, but like they have to do the work, right? They're going to like watch it or whatever. It's sort of like you're kind of hands off with it. They choose the movie, they do whatever. But in this case, there's something about the motel business where you're like nurturing your guest and you're hosting them and you want to take care of them and you're listening to their needs. It's so much more sophisticated as a human being to have to handle a business like that as opposed to, you know, just take this and go away. It feels like he actually has to think about what these guests want and appreciate them. That's such growth for him. It made me think of actually Artie from last week, a trailer park kingpin, because it's kind <laughs> of the same. I, you know, video stores are not necessary. Obviously, they've gone the way of the dinosaur. 
but motels are kind of necessary. People need a place to stay all around the country. And while you're on the road, you need a place to sleep. But there is something so... Like a humbleness? Well, something uh, about... certainly, uh, that's where I'm going with it. There, yeah. there's, a very bl- there's a very blue-collar mm-hmm. aspect to the motel. The mm-hmm. fact that it's not a hotel, even. It's not even like a cheap line of hotels. It's a motel. Right. It's not it like has, about has luxury. A... It's about like... Function. Yes. And it's a very workman's kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The idea that Johnny has had to learn to be a motel manager at this one, at this one motel... But now he's looking at the idea of running and owning 20 to 30 motels. That's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. That's a major investment of capital. That's really being a successful businessman. You look at people who own McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts around the country. They don't own just one. Right. They own like three, five, ten. Again, Bob (laughs) and Patricia. Yeah, motherfucker. They own like ten and they're nine times richer than you'll ever be in your life. Johnny... Again, he's kind of gone on this hero's journey, I think, where he's really had to kind of get kicked low. He's learned all of these life lessons, how to be a person. And now getting to take that and apply this new Johnny to his same business acumen. I'm really excited about the whole thing. I'm really excited for Stevie. I, I guess Roland, too. I don't want to give up another kidney. <laughs> I love the idea of what you're saying, though, because I what the idea that success could be at a blue-collar level is fascinating for this twist. He wears a suit every day. Think about that. For every single moment of this show he's worn a suit with the exception of borrowing clothes to go over to get the used car but other than that he's worn a suit and so the idea that he would not need to be in an industry where he was even required to wear a suit anymore and that's success that is what success looks like is like that just changed the whole paradigm for him the guy who owns it's actually it's a it's a family that owns the dunkin donuts by me they own at least seven dunkin donut the the gentleman who owns it he's not in a suit but he's in a tie every day he is in a button-down shirt every day. He's in slacks. He's a goddamn businessman, and he's making it work. He employs probably at least 100 people. It's success on a very relatable level. We don't think about the people who own those motels and what their life must be like. But I'm so excited to see John kind of <laughs> get to apply this new life I to himself. I know. It's so, I'm, I'm really happy for him, and I'm really proud of Stevie. Even as, as goofy as Roland is, I'm proud of him for, for offering, honestly, the last thing he had left. I mean, he's already mortgaged at his home. He has nothing left, and he's willing to give the only kidney he has left. I mean... It was funny, but I absolutely believe he would do it if that was the only option. <laughs> right. If it would work, right. I mean, to the extent that... We, I mean, maybe maybe you end up owing money if you try and collateralize that <laughs> right? kidney. But this has been the first season where I've really enjoyed Roland as like a human being. I've always kind of find him funny in the same way I kind of find... I find Moira funny, though. I don't think she's a good person. Same thing. Like, Roland has made me laugh, even though if I don't think he's a good person. Like... I think we're seeing like a new Roland, like an actual good person Roland that maybe has always been there. And maybe I've just been a hater this whole time. Really impressed, especially the last couple of episodes, his his and Jocelyn's commitment to this motel and to and to the roses. What did you think of the quote that Stevie <laughs> parrots back to to Johnny, which was one of my favorites in the episode? I loved it. I thought it was super funny. You know, the quote, you miss 100 percent of the tapes that you don't play is such a nice twist on a classic trope that. People, you mean, you hear it a lot in baseball. You know, you miss 100% of the swings you don't take. It, it was just nice to hear Stevie quote Johnny back to Johnny. I know. And to see his little face, too, to realize she had learned from him. She was quoting back his words. And to, to watch his face, like, soften up and realize, like, it's kind of like when they say, like, to Dorothy, it you, was always within you. Many time- 
right? It was always within you. Like it's always, and that's kind of with Johnny, right? Like it was always within you. Like your own words are what is going to save you right now. You just have to believe in your own stuff right now. And that's like, oh, it's fate. It's a really nice detail if you want to go back and catch it. But if you're paying attention to Stevie, which I always do, <laughs> oh, God. when Johnny breaks her heart and, and leaves to go get some air outside in the motel lobby, she's standing there and she looks off and you can tell like her the wheels are turning in her head. If you look down at her hands, her finger is holding a page on Johnny's book. And it's very near the end of the very thick Johnny Rose business book, you know, which she's now had since she left the business you know, back in the before the Larry Air days, you know, oh, yeah. um, she had her finger in the book as like a page holder. And you could tell she's very near the end of the book. I thought that was a really nice detail. So. Mm-hmm. Stevie. I like to think that I am part of the New York caviar crowd. You would like to think that? Do you think you are? I think I am. Oh, I you are? Do you like caviar? I do like caviar. Gross. Nasty. I like everything they were serving at that wedding tasting. Sounded I delightful. I was fucking... Uh, did, have you ever been to a tasting like this before? I don't, I don't yeah. remember what your catering was for your wedding. Uh, it was amazing. Was this like awesome. a highlight for you? Uh, yeah, but my favorite part of the whole tasting was when they first walked in. And he's all like, you're two minutes late. And if this was the wedding, the doors would be locked. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> total bridezilla. Like his face was like, ah. Like it was so. Yeah, he's, a total, he's a total bridezilla. But is oh anyone surprised God. by that, though? I wasn't surprised. I was surprised. Caught me off guard. I'm just going to say that. Because it was like the first time we, I don't know, interacted with him very much in the in this episode. And so I was just like, oh my God. Like that was so much. Were you surprised at the items David was picking? Or did it seem very much on brand for him? I guess it seemed very on brand, I guess. I'm trying to think of stuff that I know that he's eaten. The things that have actually surprised me has been when he likes to eat. The junkier food, like how he was like, mmm, pizza. Or like when he was trying to get to, when Patrick was trying to get him to play in the baseball game, and he's like, there's going to be a barbecue afterwards. And that's what gets him to go, is that they're going to eat barbecue. And he's like, is there going to be that kind of stuff? I was like, I wouldn't have taken him for like someone who, like, I, I would think he would be very, very picky and very, like, not about barbecue and pizza and stuff. So I was surprised, but I thought that this food choice, especially like lobster roll and all this stuff, yeah, for sure, that sounded neat. I love lobster rolls so Do fucking you? much. I hate seafood. When he said lobster roll, I had to wipe a little drool off my chin. Oh, <laughs> God. A good lobster roll? <laughs> Holy shit. It's it, it's just about as good as life gets. <sighs> I don't even know how you would have that at a wedding. That's a very expensive dish to have for a wedding. I thought it was sweet, though, that it seemed like he had chosen beef tenderloin because he knew that Johnny liked that. It seemed like he actually maybe thought about somebody else there for a moment and so i was like oh and then and then i love the whole like we're not paying for this tasting right right <laughs> right and then he's like well why don't you just put a little more there on the plate oh there. my god great Shit's creek visual gag what did you think of johnny <laughs> eating leftovers from the tasting the entire episode oh that was really funny that it reminded me so much do you remember in the episode for bob's brother's funeral at the very end moira singing danny boy at like the the reception kind of part he's eating a sandwich behind her <laughs> he is eating throughout the entire time she's singing like he's like kind of licking his fingers like it, it reminded me so much of that i was like oh my god this is so funny i gotta tell you back in the day when i got married we went on like five food different tastings to, like different caterers uh-huh. i knew i wanted to hire the first one we went to after <laughs> we went to them but i just love food tastings so so much i definitely have taken doggy bags from food tastings i will definitely have food in a napkin in my pocket dude why isn't Ugh. that a whole scam like you know like wedding crashers why isn't that like a whole scam that we should all know about all you have to do is get somebody to say you're getting married and go to any caterer and say 
we'd like to set up a tasting and you could like eat lunch free like every fucking day. What do you think I used to belong to Costco for? That's That's sampling. That's not the same thing. But I'm saying you could get like high end food on the regular. What? Why aren't people doing this? There should be a movie about this. Are you a Sam's Club person? Is this some Sam's Club bullshit? Jealousy? Because Costco's food is superior. That's not funny. She's dead. What? That's ugly. What did you say that for? Jesus. Oh my God. This was Dan Levy at his absolute best version of David when he was at the state scene because he pulled out every facial expression, every head flip, every ah, like every little mannerism that he has, I swear to God, played through this tasting. It was Fantastic. I love watching Dan. He does as much acting with his face and his hands as he actually says lines. Which is just his eyes. <laughs> there is a reason why the CBC publishes so many Shit's Creek GIFs and why they're so popular. But I was using Shit's Creek GIFs before I even started watching the show. Do you know what I did like very early on? I would tell myself like for this whole week, I'm only going to use Shit's Creek GIFs. And I'm a big GIF girl. I care that it matches and I always find a matching one in Shit's Creek. Have you ever found yourself having to un- invite someone to a party (laughs) just to avoid sidestepping something that was even more awkward. Yeah, I'm a more the merrier kind of girl. So I'm not somebody who would like try to cap a list for anything. If I could avoid it, I'm inviting everybody and anybody all the time. I if I if you're like, hey, that looks like a good party. I'm like, get in here, you like, I want you to come. Are you like that? Or do you like to keep it super exclusive? I'm a more the merrier kind of guy. I probably, though, would have used the cafe, though, for my catering, though. You know what I mean? You like, would have? I, oh, because you would have, because you probably would be like, no, but you're eating caviar? Like, what, 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 what? I mean, I like caviar, but I, I also like probably, I would probably like Twyla's smoothies. There's like 700 pages to that menu, so there's probably something everyone would love. I'm eclectic, and I do like Twyla, so seeing her in a little black and white outfit catering my wedding. Well, I guess maybe not for a wedding. That'd probably be a bad thing if I was staring at Twyla, but maybe I was marrying Twyla. And then we and she's also catering there. for you? Like, oh my God. Well, I mean, so, someone's got to pay the bills. Can't for even chill for a minute. <laughs> Moira comes in big with this quote from the beginning. Look at you, Dan, doling out gift after gift this morning like a Turkish St. Nicholas. <laughs> what a weird fucking sentence that just goes on forever. And it was so funny. It was so funny. She was in rare form. Speaking of, she had like so many good lines, I thought, in this one. She was on fire this week. And she had a really big arc this week. She did. I think the best way to get to Moira's story is to talk a little bit about Lexi, who is very down in the dumps this week. What did you think of David picking a hair extension off of her and how he found <laughs> Alexis this morning? That's super duper funny because do you know how hair extensions go on? I just imagine that they get like kind of woven into your hairline at like the base somewhere. Okay, so no. So the way that okay. they work is exactly how she had her hair, like where it was like the top knot like that. And there's different kinds. So nobody like write in and say like, no, nah, you can do it a different Sure you can. But for her hair, where you're trying to make it look fuller and longer, because it's not just like length, it's like that fullness and stuff. You clip them in at that level. So what's super funny about that is she just like left it like that. And so that's why the, the clips were like exposed, like all the way around. That's why there would be like one hanging there at that point. But when I saw her, I was like, oh, girl, I saw in the after scenes that she was like super jazzed about this episode because she was legitimately wearing no makeup. She was allowed to just like do that to her hair and that's it. And sweatpants. She was like, yay. Just think how far she has fallen <laughs> since that stellar night with Ted, their their big breakup night and how gorgeous she looked. I know. But at you the know, same time, like, do you know what I like to say? I actually weirdly liked it 
that her outfit wasn't sexy in any way. And not, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna be really careful when I say this. She looked like the clothes just fit her like normally. <laughs> not tight, not crop top, not uber fitted, not anything like, she seemed so much more like a normal person than any other time. She always has some extra, you know, like she's wearing some sort of frock over the top of her dress and her shorts and her boots and her hat and her, like to just see her like normal looking was like refreshing, even for a viewer. Do you want to hear a little confession about me? Oh God, did you also jack off to her as well as Twyla? I'm not terribly attracted to Annie Murphy. Well, you've said. A little thing about me is all things being equal, I would prefer to be with a woman in a just woke up, no makeup, very natural, just throw in some clothes kind of way. I prefer that infinitely more to high fashion. Makeup is just hiding things. <laughs> Lots of accessories, hair extensions, just hiding things. I just want to see what you look like when you first wake up in the morning. That's my ideal time. If I'm going to be attracted to her, it's going to be this look more than anything. Well, so were you? Did it work? Did she look finally like how you like her? No, not really. She actually wears workout clothes really well. Right, but it's all fitted and everything. That's why I thought that this was like, I was thinking to myself, those must actually be like David's pants that she's wearing and David's shirt because she wouldn't own anything that fit her like this. So I was like, okay, I like it that you're actually just sort of looking real. It was good growth for her. It was. I think most shows would have just moved on with the character. Especially two episodes since her breakup, she would have just been like back to normal. She would have had just a normal plot, a normal wacky Alexis plot for the week. But I like that this show didn't do that. Like they're going through the motions. Last week was the rebound week. This week is just her being sad week. And I love that she chose Sunrise Bay to watch. <laughs> Didn't it make you laugh that, that Moira's kids watched the show? No, I think this was the first time they ever had. That was the amazing thing. Like, cause she had, she was like, I have so many questions. They actually sat down and watched what their mom did. Wow, you guys. Look at that. Like all this other time, they just didn't care. It was always part of their background noise, you know? I hear all the time from celebrities who have kids that are like in the teenage, like especially the teenage years. Almost across the board, all of them never give a shit that their parents are on TV, never watch their stuff. I feel like I hear it a lot. It's only when like someone like cool, like I was listening to Adam Scott. He was a uh, Ben from uh, Parks and Rec. He talks all the time about how his kids never really give a shit about anything that he's doing. But like he met like President Obama one time. His his kids just flipped out about how cool that was. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to talk about like Obama's daughters and stuff. So it kind of struck me as real that they grew up with their mom having this job. So I guess it would make sense that they would be maybe desensitized by it. I guess, yeah, you're right that it did come off that they hadn't seen it before. She seemed to know a lot about the show if it was her first time going through it. I don't know if she did. I think she had been laying in bed watching it. She was like, why are you possessed by your father? Hearing Moira talk so objective about Sunrise Bay this episode, oh this week God. was so much fun when <laughs> David's now watching it and he's talking about how her daughter, she's been in the cave for three days and she's never looked up. And Moira <laughs> very, very straight face says, Oh, children, this is why the season really starts to pick up. Like, it's just speaking so objective about her own work. I thought it was, it was really funny. It worked for me all episode long. Didn't you crack up about the ghost lover? <laughs> She's like, and your lover. And he was a ghost. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> My favorite was that uh, the Clifton Sparks conspiracy, because yes. obviously she's been watching these box sets and uh, like we all do, went online. She went to a Facebook to, talk, to see what people say about the show. She's like, as your publicist and your daughter and now the moderator of the Sunrise Bay fan forum? 
there's more to this story. I love that. I laughed so hard. I was like, oh my God, because that is exactly what would happen to me. I would like immediately open up in my own forum. How so shocked funny. were you to see Victor Garber on here? Victor Garber killing it like like a badass i'm a big fan of victor garber i'm a big fan of saul rubinek i when i saw that they were guest starring i got so excited for this episode i like both of these guys so much where do you where do you know victor garber i feel like i know him from titanic like mainly in my brain that's like my first go-to on him uh he played sydney bristow's uh father on alias Mm -hmm. um i actually most associate him with his later work where he played dr martin stein in the arrowverse shows on the cw in uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow and The Flash. He had like a very long run and he was one of the original co-stars of DC's Legends of Tomorrow. But I love him so much. Uh, you want to hear a little trivia fact about Victor Garber? Badly. Dan Levy's first confirmed project after Schitt's Creek ends is a movie coming out around Thanksgiving. I think it's coming out like November 25th, Happiest Season. Yeah. It's got Victor Garber and Dan Levy are both going to be in this movie. Is he, so he's acting in it or he, or this is his, he, his movie? Like he's like. Dan is acting in it. Ooh, yeah, acting okay. In it. So as these cast members are going to be moving on to other projects, are we going to expect Dan to act like David? Is it going to be like a letdown to see Dan be in another show and be like not David? A little bit. for Especially for people like Dan Levy and like Annie Murphy, we don't really know them. I mean, some people know Dan and some of the other stuff that he was in before. But he was still like playing himself, really. Like, because he was like mostly like hosting. So he still had that same kind of personality. I feel like he had a couple parts in like maybe small movies or some small TV show. Like the same kind of stuff that all young actors kind of do coming up. Like your mom. So I think that's going to be a little weird for them. You know, Annie Murphy's booked a new show also. And I think it's going to be kind of weird to see them in a different role. I think for people like Eugene and Catherine, who, at least us anyway, know them from so many other things prior to Schitt's Creek, that's a little easier to move on to. Though these are pretty iconic roles, but I feel like they have both done a lot of iconic roles. I'm going to have a terrible time seeing Dan and stuff. Like if he just acts super serious, like I'm going to be waiting with like bated breath. Do it. Like make the face. Do the thing. You know, I'm going to be like, oh. So this movie, Happiest Season, Allison Brie, Mackenzie Davis, who was in Halt and Catch Fire, one of the best shows that no one watched on AMC for four seasons. Great show. She was also in the Terminator movie last summer. Kristen Stewart, Dan Levy, Aubrey Plaza, also from, from Parks and Rec, Mary Steenbergen, Victor Garber, Sarayu Blue, Anna Gasteyer. Deep, a deep cast. Really funny people. And that comes out at like November 25th. So it was just a nice, it was a nice trivia thing that he guest starred on this episode. That's very cool because obviously they must have been working together previous to this. Yeah, hopefully coronavirus isn't stopping production on oh, that movie. Oh God. You know, we were talking about that today. Do you think that coronavirus is going to affect like a bunch of stuff? I know I saw that we had just announced on our survivor podcast that the next season is going to be pushed off because they're not going to start filming which we were wondering how are the 20 or so people on an isolated island not safe that makes us feel worried i wonder how many shows do you think are going to be affected by this how big of an impact are we going to feel i I think it's actually going to be pretty big i I know a bunch of shows announced in the last two days that they were suspending uh supernatural their final season was interrupted they have stopped filming on stranger things 4 because a lot of places are putting in gathering bands like new york putting in a band basically no groups larger than 250 people can gather anywhere you know, I California saw, I even has, saw 100 people even was like the max out. Isn't that crazy? 100 people is not that many. No. Oh, A Quiet Place Part 2. They oh, they pushed it off, have, didn't they? They've pushed it off. How? What, like the reasoning for that one would be because no one's going to come to the movie theater in the next couple of weeks? I, I think so. Mulan, The New Mutants, and Antlers all announced by Disney that they are being postponed. No shit. Uh, from their release dates, No Time to Die got pushed off. The big Daniel Craig movie that was just about to 
release has now been pushed to November. Uh, Mission Impossible 4, because they were f- filming in Venice, that's been postponed and shut down. Amazing Race mm-hmm. has been suspended. The Bachelorette, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Riverdale, Survivor, The Morning Show's next season. Grey's Anatomy has halted production. Grace and Frankie has suspended production on its seventh and final season. Mm. Late night television, Jimmy, Seth, Stephen Colbert, all suspended production of their shows. So for those of you who are like listening to this podcast like five years after we put it out, coronavirus is kind of a big deal right now and everybody's kind of freaking out. So hopefully you're going to say, what's a coronavirus? And it like has not made an impact at all. But right now schools are closed and everything is on hashtag canceled. It's crazy. It's crazy how... It's the season of cancellation. I mean, just at the time of this recording, South by Southwest has been canceled. Tribeca Film Festival has been postponed. The NBA season. NBA, every sport. NBA has been postponed. NHL has been postponed. MLB baseball has been pushed back. Major League Soccer has put in a 30-day game uh, suspension. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy because you can't have large gatherings of people. It's just you got to shut this pandemic shit down. You know, real or imagined. (laughs) You know, maybe it's nothing worse than the flu. I am not a doctor. I do not work for the CDC. Do you play one on TV? But I play a guy who talks about not being a doctor. On TV? On TV. Oh, you know? that's like an enigma wrapped in a riddle. That's me. When you get to the center of the Tootsie Roll Pop, you see me. <laughs> it's actually like a little It's like a little mic dog going, hey, how you doing? Gross. You know those commercials where there's like four out of five dentists recommend like a certain gum? Sure. I'm that fifth dentist. I'm that asshole You're that's so like that gum fucked sucks. up. You're like, don't yeah, shoot I, gum, you assholes. You know what my dentist says? Your teeth are not tools. Because <laughs> I always bite stuff to open it and stuff. Teeth are not tools. They are 100% tools. Aren't they, though? Literally going back like a millennia. Like evolutionary? Talk to a fucking beaver and ask them if their oh teeth are tools. Oh, my God. You talk to if a beaver. the beaver, beaver would answer you. Like a real beaver. Not like a, you know, not like that kind of beaver. But like Those a real, beavers like, are real, too. Do you just imagine them? <laughs> uh, all of my beaver experiences definitely have sharp teeth. I'm going I'm to be doing something wrong. Yikes. Said <laughs> it's going to be so fun. Have you ever tried to give up the drink where you've just made yourself a wine and scotch woman? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not ready to go there yet. So oh, Victor Garber's Victor Garber's entrance when he goes, Muffy! That was hilarious. All sorts of names. It reminded me of Overboard. Remember? He always calls her Muffy. Oh, Muffy. That's what it reminded me of. I was kind of wondering if maybe that was a little nod to Overboard, actually. He played hey, wait, do you so know what my well. favorite overboard part is? What? No, you have to guess. It's no fun. What kind of dumb game is that where I just tell you the answer? Where the boy learns how to read by reading porno max. Oh, wow. You were so close. It's when the boy does the Pee Wee Herman and goes, ba, 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 ba. That is really good. <laughs> and that was like dead on, by the way. Kudos to you. But that is a dead on. If you did that to me just on the street without any You'd be like, context, overboard, the little boy. He's being Pee Wee Herman. He's imitating her doing the chainsaw. And, and the mom was like, <laughs> It's dead on. I feel like I'm. I feel like it's 1987 again. Shut up. Overboard's my sister's she favorite movie. She had the movie, coolest closet in Overboard. I know. Where like everything would like move around and like cycle through her outfits. It was like and a stuff. crank. Yeah, crank. that was really cool. That was like high technology. That would be high technology now, let alone 30 years ago. I know. 30 years ago. Ouch. That hurt. What did you think of watching uh, Moira in action bitch slapping a younger Victor Garber and then getting to watch him uh, bitch slap him again in the present time? <sighs> was, was that a highlight for you? I loved it so much. I loved it when it happened in the show. And I loved it that she actually wore the same wig to the meeting. I loved it. It was like the same exact Vivian wig. 
The funniest thing about the one in person is that it appeared to be like a fake doll's hand that slapped his face. Watch that scene again. It is so fucking funny. We have this game that <laughs> the point of the game is for to, to put on these like sleeves and on the end of the sleeves are these tiny hands and you have to like do activities where you like pick up stuff and do stuff with the tiny hands on. <laughs> this tiny hand thing like looked like the hand that she slapped him with. It was so funny. Also, side note, one time I made a movie and it was called Who Murdered Who? And in that, I had to edit within the camera and my cousin jumps on my other cousin and slaps her. But it turns out like almost exactly like the Sunrise Bay thing because it's like she jumps on her and then it's like slap, slap, slap. But it was only supposed to be one slap, but I didn't know how to edit very good. How about you? Did you love a good slap? Have you ever slapped anyone? Did you ever get slapped? How about that? Men usually get slapped. They don't usually, hopefully don't do the slap. I have never slapped nor been slapped. Whoa. My cheeks, my cheeks remain virgin. Wow. You guys, I'm going to put that out to Schitt's Creek's fans. If you ever meet Mike, give him a slap. I would like it. Pop his cherry. This was great watching Moira in action. All of the crazy plot lines. This all felt like I was watching Days of Our Lives or Good, like I did back in the early 90s. Did you ever watch Passions? That was the one that was like super fucked up. It had like a ventriloquist dummy doll or something that was possessed in it. It was like very close to Sunrise Bay when they were describing. You don't remember? You don't remember when Marlena brady was possessed oh sure i do but this is a a doll mike a doll like walked around and talked like it was yeah he was a character in the show like people talked back to him it was messed up have you ever vomited a demon into a toilet and then exited fallen in and drowned Uh, i didn't drown i made it out alive oh thank god God. (laughs) ouija boards play them don't play them i have played them i did a seance with a group of high school friends one time there were four candles each in a corner by like us, you know, everyone had kind of their own candle. Whatever question we were asking, like a gust of wind came through the room and blew up my candle <gasps> only. All of the other candles were unaffected. I was fairly certain I was going to die a horrible death by the time the sun came up the next morning. Oh my God. I am not a generally superstitious person. I don't really put a lot of stock into all of that, but I was genuinely freaked out. Do you know what movie really scared me, Ouija board related? Your mom. Dude, it was a movie that I watched at so many sleepovers and it is so fucking scary. And there's this part where there's like a a circular saw like up on like a um, like scaffolding and the guy's down below and it comes down and it's still plugged in. Ah, It's so bad. There's so much bad stuff that happens. You don't even want to know. It's called Witch Board. Witch Board. Scary. But I'm also easily scared. Can, Can we talk about Clifton Sparks now? Are you ready to talk about the genius that is Victor Garber playing drunk? The guy is a goddamn genius. Because he does that video, Alec- uh, not Alec- uh, yeah, Alexis, she plays the video, her, her conclusive proof from her time now in the fan group of Victor Garber giving a, uh, an interview back in the day. He starts off by saying, I just reminded it. <laughs> I know. I loved that. And it made me laugh so <laughs> fucking hard, Caroline. I laughed so hard. I, was, I said it out loud. I was like, he said reminded it. He said reminded it. Like I said it out loud it like can- a turkey. I said it so many times to myself, I had to ask myself if I was saying it right or wrong. That's really funny. Like, I said, because I, it made me laugh so hard. I was like, he reminded it. <laughs> and then I was like, is that right? Is it reminded? <laughs> like, then do I you pronounce the second what? D? <laughs> yeah. Do you? Is, is there no D? Is it? Can you not make that word pass? Now tense? I feel is weird. Like, even, like, I'm like, wait, how do you say reminded? Remind, reminded? But that doesn't seem right either now. now yeah, it, I reminded you. Reminded it sounds right. <laughs> I, I reminded it? it? No, oh, it's I reminded that's you. Really funny. I didn't remind it. it no, you, just one duh. Like, reminded. One duh. Reminded. One duh. <laughs> Not two duhs. 
too funny. It's like it's like sugar in your tea. One one duh, not two oh duh. Very Mary Poppins so of you. Though. It was just so good. But I have to give up the line where he says, "What is she? She says that he's looking very dewy." Yeah, she calls it. <laughs> and then he says, "I've given up the drink. I'm only a wine and scotch man now." <laughs> yeah, so I was trying funny. to think of what the drink would so be funny. if you still drink scotch. What's the hardest liquor? What's like the biggest baddie? I mean, all the brown liquors are the ones that are going to fuck you up the most. So, but what would be considered um, like if someone like, I mean, this guy is like the most suave, the most amazing. He drinks what? I think scot- scotch is, if not the top, it's uh, it's pretty near being apex liquor <laughs> as far as heaviness and, and alcohol. You know, your scotches, your whiskeys, your Maybe bourbons. whiskey. Is whiskey probably? Because that's kind of cowboy, right? I mean, whiskey, whiskey, scotch, and bourbon are all variations on the same thing. I know. It's just a slightly different distillation I process. Know. But <laughs> I mean, I imagine he was probably a big martini guy. He strikes me as someone mm. who back in the day drank a lot of dry vermouth martinis. <laughs> vermouth, gross. Give me, hold the gin, just give me the vermouth. Gross. Yeah, like he probably gave up like beer, you know, he kept all the hard liquors. He gave up like the drinking drink. Coors Light or something, yeah. or Labatt, right? They're in Canada. He probably drinks a lot of Labatt. Labatt. <laughs> what did you think of Tippy? and was he necessary? I love Tippy, by the way, because, okay, so I didn't really know the actor, but the funniest thing about him is that as soon as he stood up and everything about his mannerisms, I was like, this guy is like from vaudeville. And then she totally says vaudeville. And I was like, oh, I, I'm turning Moira. Got it. Saul Rubnick, he's an actor. If he's in a show, I will watch the show. Really? There are certain TV actors, if I know they're coming up on the show, I'm going to watch it, at least give it a chance. Saul Rubinick is one of those people who has never failed me. I always find him so endearing and so enjoyable on the screen. The star of Warehouse 13. And then most recently, he's actually in Hunters right now on Amazon. He's great. He plays a real menchie Jew in all of his shows. He was already in Warehouse 13. He was Murray in in hunters trippy bernstein he plays that kind of like you know that kind of guy he's so good at it i love it so much i love when he was like i gotta sit down because the standing thing is overrated moira was so disappointed at how aged i guess he had become i I imagine he must have been more svelte back well and maybe i think it was a that it was a reminder of how long ago this had been it's like when you see your old high school friends and they look all old and you're like shit has it been that long that they could look this bad. <laughs> age age can be a cruel mistress when you hit that 20th anniversary or above. Just didn't go to my 20th anniversary. I just, I, I avoided the issue by not going at all. Anniversary? So, the reunion, 20th reunion. <laughs> I want you to show up and be like, happy anniversary, everybody. <laughs> Next year is my 25th. Is it really? What did you think of the idea that Moira, the idea that she was put off of Sunrise Bay, you imagine it has to be a big blow to her for all this time and to learn she didn't write herself out of her contract like she has thought all this time, but instead there was a plot and conspiracy to get her off of the show. I was glad that they actually added this extra layer to it, this question mark about the co-star, because they really could have left it at a pretty simple plot of just like coming back for the reboot. Should she do it? Should she not? And then just the idea that, you know, perhaps she did leave the show because she asked for too much or something like that. Like they could have left it at just that and not have this layer of, Clifton being a dick and actually like talking behind her back and and getting her out. I feel like that his behavior and that like concept like reminded her of what show business and stuff in that industry maybe was like that the kind of backstabbiness or whatever. And I have to say, though, Mike, were you surprised by the outcome of this? Did you think she was going to be doing the reboot? 
when she starts laying out all the things that she asked for, and then Alexis is like, well, I guess you handled it. Like, you know, you, you went and got yours like I told you to, you know, like, make sure they know how much you're worth. I was like, yeah, this makes sense. I'm glad. I was totally satisfied. I was like, okay, good for you, Moira. That was good growth. But she she knew she did it on purpose because she knew that he wouldn't take it. I feel like that showed even more growth. I feel like she chose kind of her family and what is real versus that kind of Hollywood fakeness. I like it. I like it. And that, it, that was great. I, but I have to say, I was really surprised. Oh, how, me too. How, me too. like, oh. perfect, though. Like, reboots are, like, the thing. This It, it was so smooth and like realistic that this entire thing would have happened. I was like, yes, this makes sense. This is where we're going. In a show that has done many relatable plot lines over the years in various ways, usually in emotional relatability, this was very timely for Hollywood. This was Dan and and his writer's room commenting on the state of Hollywood from Canada, from Toronto, about the creative bankruptcy that has gripped Hollywood, that you have this Interflix streaming hits, and now you have, you know, Mario is a hot, hot property again, so much so that you're going to throw a fuck ton of money at her to go do a nighttime reboot of Sunrise Bay, which, Caroline, yes. has lines like this. Yep. You really think you'd be the head of surgery at Sunrise General if you weren't possessed by your father, who also happened to be the former head of surgery at Sunrise General? <laughs> So well written. <laughs> so well written. Literally could have been a line out of General oh Hospital. My God. They could have put in General Hospital instead of Sunrise General. <laughs> and I could have been watching Bobby and Blackie oh back in like nineteen eighty. That is so funny. No, there was something about this, though, that if you took it out of the context and you just said, what did Moira learn generally or what is the message? Because you kind of said that, you know, they they take a lot of real life moments and like, can you learn from it? Could you respond in the same way. And I loved the concept of can you have gotten some distance from a situation and maybe you didn't even realize it was bad at the time, but you can like look back and see it for what it was, be asked to come back and be like lured to come back into whatever it is, the the friend group, the company, the whatever it is, stand your ground and, and have a backbone and say, you know what? N- no, no amount of money, no amount of promises are going to make me not value myself and not get myself back into a bad situation. I appreciate that from Moira, but it's like a good, bigger lesson. We talked about how in the show, there's moments where we were like, that's how I would want to act if my child had had challenging news to give me or something like that, or that's how I would want to act like this. This was one of those things where it's like, that's how I would want to act. If somebody came to me and offered me a bunch of stuff to go back into a bad situation, I want to think I'd say, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth it, bro. Like, I'm not going. Yeah, uh, 100%. Moira disappoints me so often. Oh, no. And very recently, no, I mean, last week. Stuff? Well, last week, look how, she, look how she put down the town. Yeah. You know? So I, she makes me laugh so hard, but then she does shit like that. And it's just like, why? Why, Moira, would you do that? But then, you know, but then she has these great moments where she kind of gave Alexis pretty good advice a couple weeks ago when Alexis was a superstar, the, the publicist say from the movie and the crows and stuff. And then tonight, yeah, she, she chose this life that she has now really over what that could have been. You know, the scales fallen from her eyes. I love seeing her make the right decisions. It makes, you know, it reduces my faith in humanity when someone... Someone as kind of <laughs> oblivious to the world around yeah. her is aware of the world around Ooh. her. I love it. I, love I it. really I love felt it. like so, it, so it felt really good. Again, we've been like sort of hunting for Moira's character growth and really like watching her change and not going back. I mean, it would have, this is who she is defined by and she didn't go back. Like that's everything, right? Like she wasn't willing to go back to her old life. 
who's that? You know, who's this woman standing in front of us? From what you heard about Sunrise Bay tonight, and I feel like this was really the episode that has most dived into what the show really, really, really was. Were you surprised that the New England Journal of Medicine did a fascinating study on the show and found it probably not healthy <laughs> for long doing uh, That's hysterical. I, I think it's really funny. That idea of like, you know, TV will rot your brain. Yes, and it's possibly true. I mean, that, that Sunrise, <laughs> not the TV we watch, but certainly there's some crappy shows out there. Before we wrap up, because there's one thing that you didn't bring up, and I give you a lot of credit for uh, because uh, you are a humble woman. No, you are a humble woman because you did not take a lap, a victory lap that was definitely warranted to you and, and earned by you tonight. I'm going to give you credit for that in one second. But before we get to that, <laughs> Caroline, we're running our shitty little contest, our Shit's Creek giveaway of merchandise that from Beekman 1802 Mercantile and from McGillicuddy's Naturals, our contest is up and running. Would you like to give the listeners the word of the week? No. One of these weeks. One of these. You're like Ralph Cramden. One of of these days. (laughs) One of these days. Pow, zing. You're going to say the word. (laughs) This is our third week that we're doing the contest. And uh, you can go to our website, podclubhouse.com, and check out all the rules you need. But basically, uh, from episode eight through the season finale or series finale of episode 14, each week, Caroline and I are going to give you guys a word or phrase of the week. All you have to do is write them down. Send them to us either on Twitter or Instagram via DM. And if you are one of the first five correct submissions for all seven entries, you're going to walk away with a prize package. So head to our website, podclubhouse.com. You get all the information on the details. I'm going to give you the word of the week for episode 10. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you yeah. Ready? The phrase of the week is pair of pennies. Again, it's actually a phrase. Pair of pennies. Pair pennies. of panties. <laughs> Pair of penny, red leather, yellow leather. Oh my gosh, leather, I love that line. Pair that was so pennies. funny. And I was like, I'm going to say that forever. If someone gives me advice, I'm going to be all like, thanks for your pair of pennies. And I feel like they will stand there and scratch their head for like five minutes. You will say that everywhere, except for when I ask you to say it to our listeners as the word of the week. Because I do what I want. You do. If you want to know what the word or phrase were for episode eight and episode nine, you have to go back and listen to those episodes because I do not remember. So go back, listen to episode eight, episode nine. You now have episode 10. There's only four more I can't believe there's only four more weeks. And I'm going to say, this is a super long podcast. I'm going to say that I feel like we're we're starting to cling <laughs> to like the last episode. I know this was only like 22 minutes of content, Mike, and we've talked for an hour and 18 minutes about it. And I'm like, it's because we're not ready. There was some good Victor Garber talk in there, though. We talked a lot about Dan Levy's movie. That was like five minutes. So there you go. Say, I want to congratulate you because you said long ago that there was something in Patrick's like upbringing mm-hmm. that you don't really know about. We don't really know a lot about Patrick. But you suspected that he must come from money. And I think we got some kind of tacit acknowledgement of that tonight, that he is loaded, or at least his parents are. The fact that they've been holding on to a nest egg, a sizable nest egg, uh, set aside for the, the marriage that never happened between Patrick and his former fiance, and now are willing to pick up the tab for... I guess a lot of money. I mean, I guess they, David made it seem like they gave them a decent sum For of money. For David to be surprised expenses. and like elated by the amount of money, that's got to be a lot of money. Yeah, to not only cover the eight new plates of the caviar <laughs> crowd, but to tell his father, listen, you know, it seems like it's a little strange, a little strain for you. They, you know, the money they gave us will cover all of the food kind I, of thing. That's I loved huge. it. That's a ton Mike, of money. I have to say that 
David as a character has not always been the most perceptive of how he's treating the other person, right? He can say things and do things that can sometimes be very funny, but so biting, he like kind of misses what he's doing. When he could see how much Johnny was just struggling and he was so I thought had a lot of like was trying to let him out with a lot of grace. Like it's no big deal. If it's too much, totally cool. Like I thought that that scene was actually like, like it was very like soft and just like, if you don't, if you can't do this, it's completely okay. We have another way to do it and we'll just move on. One of the things that this show doesn't always pick up on because they play it for laughs is one character acknowledging the hysterical facial (laughs) things that the other person is doing where you would be able to pick up that something is wrong based on what the someone's face is doing. But tonight, you know, David starts by saying, he comes in to say, you know, it seemed like something was wrong. You know, you don't have to worry about the eight extra plates. You didn't budget that in. I don't expect you to pay for that. But he then picking up the kind of continued grimacing that Johnny's doing there, he even goes on to say, he he picks it up and says, well, maybe it's not just the eight plates. Maybe it's the entire cost of the thing a great self-awareness by the by david as especially a because stevie mentions it earlier and she was like you can tell david he'll understand eventually that's old david but like look david understood right now today on his own he didn't even need to be told and he understood like that's growth yes and and another and another way the show has is demonstrating how close these four people have really become as a family you know, that they have such awareness of each other that they can pick up on those cues. I love it. You know, David is aware of what his father's financial standing is, like very much so, you know, and no one wants to ask, no one wants to ask their father, how are you paying for this? That's an uncomfortable thing. You don't ever want to think about your parents struggling, even though if you think about it, obviously they must be struggling, you know, maybe. Hey, you know what I was going to ask you? Is it is it common up north? Because, because this is not something I'm super familiar with. Do you... Do parents commonly on the groom side put aside money? I mean, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but it always struck me that they kind of treat David as like the bride to be. But I guess what about Patrick? He was marrying, you know, his fiance before. Is, is it not tradition other places that the bride's parents would have paid? It's kind of an older tradition now. I think it's less enforced now. If your parents have the ability to do so, I don't think it's uncommon that even as the groom, Patrick's parents would have given him a check to help out with expenses because I, I think it's more and more common now, at least in my, it wasn't our case where the couple is responsible for most of their expenses. Ugh, that makes me barf. Um, we, we certainly did not have either side in my wedding, neither side's parents chimed in. I mean, they both helped with a little bit of money, but not to cover the cost of the wedding. That was something that we, we heaved upon ourselves Yeesh. for sure. I remembered how much it cost for many years. <laughs> In, have you ever attended a Canadian wedding or wedding in Canada? Nope, okay, no, so I've no. attended two. Let me tell you this. They are elaborate. The actual wedding was just like a church wedding on both sides. But my God, their receptions, Mike, I've never seen anything so amazing. And I have been to plenty of fancy country clubs and extravagant dinners and stuff like that. When I tell you that at the one wedding, they had this table that just went down the center of the entire room and it was just covered. It it was like, it had ice on it, right? And it was like, it just had seafood just kind of like all over it. Like it wasn't on plates or anything. It was just like, we can't even plate all this. There's just so much food everywhere. 
And not only that, but they like changed over the courses. Then it was like all pasta came out. And then it was like, it didn't end until like five in the morning. Like the little kids went and started putting on their pajamas at like one or two in the morning. Like they all had brought them. Then they like kind of laid down on their little pallets on the side. And then they brought out like cold cuts to make your own sandwiches because everyone had been drinking for so long. And I was like, this is amazing. And for that, they actually throw like a community-wide bazaar kind of thing, like a carnival kind of thing. You go and as a community, you they like have like um, like raffle games and kind of like these little like, you know, spin the wheel and get this. Or I, I imagine them in my mind as like church bazaars in my head. But that's how these people pay for their weddings is that they would they have like the entire community because like they're so elaborate not like one family could pay for them is that crazy and wild that's insane i've never oh my god it was so well so we have helpers that that help out that are all from canada and for us like when they were describing this idea of having these fundraisers like that it was absolutely common and that the community wanted to do it. Like they were excited. Like there'd be kind of like when you're going by and there's like a garage sale sign, there'd be a sign that would say like, you know, um, like David and Patrick's, um, you know, wedding carnival or whatever. And like you would go and and spend money there just to support them and get and paying for their wedding. Isn't that wild? That's oh, crazy. I know. Maybe I it that. was a small town thing. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being way too general in that all of Canada doesn't do this, but this was how it was described to us. And I was like, wow. And both weddings were amazing so amazing i was like when do we go home we've been here for like 12 hours (laughs) and they were divorced no they're both still together so go figure (laughs) and they both have both cables have two kids so all is well all is well in canada i love it i love canada (laughs) land of the home and free like america but better it's very late here did you see that schitt's creek just put out a bunch of new dates for their live show did see that. I did Do you see know that how bad I want to go? People. I know. I'm dying. I know. And people, the the trading of like uh, pre-sale codes in the Facebook groups and all oh. over the internet. I mean, people. It's a it's a fevered pitch. I was more excited. I don't know. Did you see this? Pop TV is going to do an hour long retrospective on the show right after the finale airs on April seventh. Super cool. I freaking love it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they're actually changing the time of the episode. So instead of being 9, 8 central, I think it's going to be 8, 7 central for the finale episode. And then starting at 8.30, it's going to be an hour-long retrospective with, like, behind-the-scenes stuff and, like, never-before-seen scenes of the show and all that kind of stuff. So it should be a good time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad that, that, you know, Pop TV and, I guess, CBC and Canada, I'm glad that they're giving it the send-off that the show deserves. I love that so much. I love that so much. I'm so excited. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.